the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Our number two is underway and always right. Never left, not wrong. It is a Thursday, the 24th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And it is also, sadly, the first day of the Russian-Ukrainian war. Uh, declared by Vladimir Putin yesterday by, by invading eastern Ukraine as threatened and as promised and taking advantage of the weak leadership uh, of the Western world, particularly that of President Joe Biden. Sanctions did not, nothing to deter, uh, essentially declaring, we won't do anything if there's a minor incursion. <laughs> Almost an open invitation to come on in. That is exactly what has happened, and you and I are going to be paying the price. Let's hope it's only in money and not in blood for a very long, long time to come. We'll talk more about that, and I'll take your phone calls as to whether or not President Trump was being sarcastic or if he was being strategic or what the situation was when he uh, was accused of praising uh, Vladimir Putin in that interview we played for you earlier. But right now, I want to pivot. I want to talk to our regular Thursday commentator on everything that's important to you and me, and that is Dr. Everett Piper. He is, of course, a past university president, a Washington Times columnist. He is a best-selling author, and he's also a candidate for county commissioner's office in uh, his native Oklahoma. Dr. Piper, good morning. Good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Bob. All right. It's good to talk to you. I want to take a break from some of what's going on, although you and I can talk a little bit about the current state of world affairs uh, with respect to the Eastern Europe. Uh, I can't even call it a, a, a conflict now. I mean, it's it's a war. Russia has declared war on Ukraine. But I want to talk uh, about your column from this past week because it was so very nice to read. You You correctly identify in your column about William Wilberforce that many of your columns – are lamenting all of the terrible ideas. You, re, you reinforce ideas have consequences, which you talk about all the time. And we talk about terrible ideas and some of the terrible consequences that, that you know, we have witnessed uh, in, our, in our modern lifetimes here. But now you've gone back a couple of hundred years to talk about a great idea, one that was very, very hard to fight, uh, to support, and to get support for, and to win, but the incredible, incredibly important uh, consequences of the ideas of William Wilberforce. Tell us more. Well, this week, actually yesterday, February 23rd, uh, 1807, actually, was the victory, the day that William Wilberforce celebra- celebrated victory on the floor of the British Parliament after fighting for over 20 years for the abolition of the slave trade in England. He was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was maligned, his political career was essentially ruined. I mean, he was, on, he was in line, everybody knew he was in line to become prime minister. He's very gifted, very, very charismatic, he had a golden tongue, he was an excellent orator, he was able, he was able to lead people by the power of persuasion, but it took him for, it took him over 
20 years, almost a quarter of a century, to win the debate on the abolition of the slave trade. And, you know, we talk about all the garbage that goes on in our in the daily news, and I'm as guilty of it as anyone, because it's there. I mean, we've got enough ammunition to keep us busy, don't we? But I'm not going to lament that, at least not in this part of the show. What I want to emphasize is that ideas do have consequences, and so do good ones. And the power of a good idea, William Wilberforce, who stepped forward 215 years ago and said, God is God and you are not. Every human being is created in the image of God, and every human being deserves dignity. They are the imago Dei. They're the image of God. They're not the imago dog. They're not animals. They're not chattel. And they shouldn't be defined as such. He elevated the dignity of every human being by arguing for a biblical worldview, and that's the power of a good idea. The Bible, the Judeo-Christian ethic, a biblical worldview. He actually declared that he had one mission in life, and that was the abolition of slavery and the restoration of manners. Now, what did he mean by that? At that time, manners meant morality. He believed that the abolition of the slave trade and the elevation, the restoration of biblical morality went hand in hand. And he argued, and he was ridiculed, and he was mocked for a quarter of a century or close to it, and he finally prevailed. And I would argue that all of us will prevail in the same way, and I have confidence in that. Because of the power of ideas, bad ideas have consequences, but so do good ones. And the good ones are actually guaranteed by Christ to prevail, because he said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Now, I've said before on your show, there may be a battle between here and there. There may be a bump in the road between here and that ultimate victory. But I trust the promise of Christ more than I trust Joe Biden or Vladimir Putin or anybody else. I trust the promise of Christ that the gates of hell will not prevail against us when we stand for the power of the best of ideas, the good ideas, the good news, and that's the gospel of Christ. You know, it's um, you talk about the, the great idea, but, but I, I focus more than the great idea and the recognition, as you say, that no one human being should lord over another. And Wilberforce said one, no, no one human being should lord over another because there is only one lord. Uh, I, the idea is, of course, correct and, and amazing and, and, uh, and, and, and incredibly astute, but the courage... To give up everything that you have to fight against all of the, uh, you know, the opposition that supported the slave trade in England, uh, in, in Great Britain as we know it now, uh, you know, is, is, is what's incredible. As you said, he, he, he literally lost his friends, he lost his position, he lost his, his jobs were threatened, his family, and so on and so forth. It's guts that ultimately, uh, are required for a great idea to take root and to have the consequences that you talk about. Um, never give up, never give up, never give up. Uh, that's a paraphrase of Winston Churchill. I start out my daily radio show, The Rebellion, with a, with a recording of Churchill's great speech where he says, we shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight in the air, we shall fight on the, in the fields, and we shall never surrender until God in his great mercy and the new world steps forth to, steps forth to rescue the old. Winston Churchill, a golden orator, he recognized his time and his place, and he accepted the call on his life. You know, that's an underlying story to this Wilberforce saga, if you will. Wilberforce wanted, when he became a Christian, he went to John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, the hymn Amazing Grace, who used to be a slave trader. In fact, he was the captain of a slave, excuse me, a slave ship, and Newton converted to Christ, and and turned his life around 180 degrees and became a preacher in England. 
uh, Wilberforce went to Newton when he was converted to Christ, and he asked Newton if he should give up politics and go into preaching himself. Newton told him, no, 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 you should not give up in, in the political arena, because that's where God has called you. That's your gifting. Do what you're gifted to do. Never give up, never give up, never give up. Get into the political arena, get into the market square of ideas, and do your job. And Wilberforce did, and he ultimately prevailed. Yeah, terrific uh, uh, analysis, and so great that you recognize that, uh, uh, you know, approaching that anniversary, uh, because it is certainly a monumental moment in uh, in world history, uh, their abolition of slave trade and Wilberforce's incredible role in that. Let's come current now, uh, and I want to talk about what's going on north of our border. You sent me a little link to a poll that I did not see before, and I'm glad you did. It does not surprise me as much as it, it, it bothers me that nearly one in four, 25% of Democrats in the United States, apparently supported Justin Trudeau's uh, use of martial law and essentially uh, heavy-handed force to break up the protests uh, in, in, uh, in Canada. Uh, the Freedom Convoy obviously was causing a lot of disruption for a lot of people, which forced, by the way, a number of provinces to abandon their own vaccine mandates. It was working in order to give freedom back to the truckers so that they could actually do their jobs and not have to quarantine themselves for 14 days every time they crossed the border if they weren't vaxxed. So the heavy-handedness of Justin Trudeau, I think, shocked and appalled reasonable, freedom-loving Americans, but apparently at least one in four Democrats cheered it and applauded it rather than being shocked and appalled by it. Uh, Yeah, these two surveys that I cited are actually very enlightening. And I'm going to correct you on one thing. That survey that you just cited is a lot worse than the number you just shared. It's actually over 60%. Over 60% of American Democrats... Oh, I read it backwards, actually, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. It's not uh, one in four, it's four to one. I'm sorry, four to one. You're trying to be positive. You're, try- <laughs> you're trying to go positive on the story now, aren't you? You know... <laughs> No, well, I'm, I'm go just negative. no. I'm just being. Uh, I'm just being very obtuse. I, 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 I see. I'm not looking at it. I just remembered reading the the headline that you sent me earlier, and I and I remembered the numbers one and four, and I went with one in four, and it's actually four to one, meaning four out of five, as you say, and that it, you know it's closer to eighty percent, isn't it? I mean, that's just crazy well, that the number of people who are Democrats who actually support what's going on up there. Go ahead. What the survey shows is that. The heavy majority, I'm not going to debate the percentage right now, Uh, the heavy majority, I think it said 65%, but the heavy majority of Democrats, overwhelming majority of American Democrats, say what Justin Trudeau did by suspending civil rights in Canada, by essentially declaring Canada to be a police state, by calling out the police to ride roughshod over a bunch bunch of peaceful truckers, actually with horses, and we've got more and more bad news here. The bottom line is Justin Trudeau has stolen Canada. He has taken the Constitution of Canada and shredded it, and he has done so under an Emergency Powers Act. Now, Rand Paul has warned that we have the same potential here because we have a similar act that exists in the United States, and that our president, under the authority that he would assume, uh, illegitimately so in my view, to but say that we're in an emergency state, he could orchestrate emergency powers and do the same thing here in the United States. And what we know is over over 60% of American Democrats would think that's just fine. And my point in bringing this up is, how in the world did we get in this mess? How could we possibly have six out of ten Democrats 
telling us that Justin Trudeau's police state is a good idea. To simply, to simply silence a bunch of truckers that don't want to inject something into their body that they find unacceptable. Where did we get to the point where violence to silence truckers is an acceptable idea? Well, I would argue it comes from our schools. We've been teaching this crap for decades, and the chickens are coming home to roost. You know, what, what's in addition to everything that you just said and, and wondering you know, how we got to this place is, is the hypocrisy of it all, and this needs to be pointed out. The same Democrats who are saying there should be no protests up in, in Canada, and if there are, they should be hammered down by the police. They should be hammered down by Justin Trudeau and his police. Stop those, those protests right now. These are the same Democrats who cheered at nearly 90 to 95% for the BLM protest in the summer of racial reckoning and said, how dare you? Don't you even look cross-eyed at them, police? Don't you look at those BLM rioters as they smash windows, set fires, uh, shoot, assault, shine lasers at, throw bottles of, of frozen water at, uh, 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 urine bombs at police officers? How dare you think about trying to, uh, to contain and control this rampant protest violence that we are watching night after night after night in hundreds of American cities. These are the people telling uh, Trudeau, hey, we support you. Crush the protests in Canada. How do you get there? That's what I want to know. Because this is what we've been teaching our kids for decades. I'm going to cite one of my um, phrases that I've used on your show repeatedly. When you teach people that it makes sense, when you teach 16-year-old kids that it makes sense to say, I can't tolerate your intolerance, or I hate hateful people, or I'm sure that nothing is sure, and I'm absolutely confident there are no absolutes. When you teach the self-refuting nonsense, and people actually start drinking this Kool-Aid and believing this hypocritical lie, then it's easy for them to jump to these self-refuting claims that, well, I don't believe in silencing protesters unless there are a bunch of Sikhs and Muslims and Arabs and Asians and Hispanics and black truck drivers in Canada that are doing something I don't like, then you can actually use violence. And I need to make sure that we understand Justin Trudeau is using violence to silence the truckers in Canada. Look at the videos. Look at the clips. Look at what the police are doing in manhandling and roughing these people up. Yeah, absolutely. Every step of the way, the hypocrisy of the modern American Democrat is is simply boundless. It really is. Uh, Dr. Piper, we'll take our time out here. I want to come back and I want to get an opportunity to get your thoughts on what's going on in Eastern Europe, how it impacts us and the rest of the world. We'll continue with Dr. Piper next on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1023, we've got a few good minutes left now with our friend Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, Dr. Piper, the world is uh, in a very, very precarious place right now, already dozens. This was as of a few hours ago. It's, I think, I want to say after 4 p.m. now in, uh, in, in Ukraine. Uh, and as of a few hours ago, they said dozens of people were already dead in the uh, invasion and the attack launched by Vladimir Putin's Russian forces. Uh, in trying to essentially declare uh, Ukraine to be an independent state and thus of uh, uh, not a sovereign nation and uh, that their property and their territory belong to Russia. Uh, it may be hundreds now. I don't know that. But my question is, is, in your opinion, was there anything we could have done to stop this? We look at it, you know, and, and see what Putin did similarly to Crimea in, in the, during the Obama years. Uh, we now see this happening with with Joe Biden on the watch. 
None of this happened when Donald Trump was president, because President Trump, I think, projected strength and unpredictability, which uh, was very frightening to Vladimir Putin, in my opinion. But having said that, is there anything we could have done to deter this uh, and, and to stop this from happening to the point where now we may have to look at NATO forces going in and whether or not we join those NATO forces to physically try to stop this invasion? Your thoughts? There's one thing we could have done to stop it, and that is not elect Joe Biden to be president. Weakness invites aggression. I mean, we know that. That is just a fact. We know that in our personal relationships. We know that in terms of international affairs. Weakness always invites aggression. Donald Trump, for good or for ill, like you said, was unpredictable, but he also projected strength, unpredictable strength. And I like your word. It was frightening to our enemies. Our enemies laugh at us right now. Joe Biden is a weak, addled man. He doesn't know what he's doing. Everyone in the United States knows that. Even the Democrats do. Republicans surely do. Independents surely do. But our enemies do. Our enemies laugh at us right now. We're more interested in diversity and appointing a man who dresses in women's clothing to the nuclear waste department right now. And what's her name? Our um, Navy colonel or general or whatever she is that pretends to be a woman when he he is a man and our enemies are watching our priorities our priorities are not strength our priorities are weakness and diversity and inclusion our priorities are not to protect and define our own borders we won't even defend our own borders why in the world would any enemy think we're going to defend somebody else's we are more interested in this fabricated wall of separation between the church and the state, not recognizing that our Constitution does guarantee us a wall that separates us from the government and protects us from it, and protects our country from other invaders, other enemies, enemies that want to compromise our Constitution. Joe Biden is the, is the problem here. He's the reason that Putin has invaded. You said it. Putin was aggressive under Obama because of weakness and capitulation and compromise. And we see it again right now. Putin is aggressive under Biden because of the exact same thing, the exact same policies, the exact same worldview. So given what is, is and I completely concur, by the way, and that's why I pointed out the, the part I did about the, you know, the bookends, the Obama and, and Biden administrations uh, allowing this to happen and nothing happening in between with Trump in power. The, the, the real question now becomes is what should the world response be? Mike Pompeo, our former Secretary of State under President Trump, thinks that he's trying Putin to reconstitute and rebuild the Soviet Union, which of course would be completely unacceptable uh, to the West, Western world uh, and Quite frankly, to many of the uh, many of the nations that would be forced, literally under force, to sign on uh, to be a part of that again. So, since we cannot allow that to happen, the question is: Is should we be willing to go to war to stop it? Yeah. Wow. I, Biden has put us, put us in such a lose lose situation. Um, I, I don't have confidence that even if we did stand with our NATO ally, allies. And even if we did send 100,000 troops, 200,000 troops over to help shore up the NATO boundaries, do you have any confidence that our enemies are going to look at that as anything but a veiled threat? Do they really believe that we have the strength, strength that we have the strategy, that we have the intestinal fortitude, that we have the values 
the values that would make it necessary for us to go to war and stand firm for a long time in that bloody battle. Do you think, do I think, does anyone think that America has that fortitude right now? I don't know. So I'm not answering your question, but I do say we're in some very dangerous waters right now because we do have to defend ourselves if we want to be a country. All countries have to have borders. All countries have to have definitions. All countries have to have allies that are going to stand with them in defending those things. And right now the United States, in its inclusive attitude toward everything and this attitude of tearing down walls, tearing down borders, not defending anything that we are the world and give everybody a group hug, including Red China that is enslaving millions of millions of people. Uh, what in the what in the world are we doing? Why would we defend anything when we're that when we're that confused? You are spot on. And I'll tell you what, Vladimir Putin knows every single bit of what you just said. And that's probably why. And I'll leave you with this, Dr. Piper. Uh, tell me to whom you think, Doctor, or I mean, to to whom you think Vladimir Putin is speaking when he made this statement yesterday? To anyone who would consider interfering from the outside, if you do, you will face consequences greater than any you have faced in history. All relevant decisions have been taken. I hope you hear me. End quote. Who do you think he's talking to? You, me, the American people. Yeah, we might include he's talking to Joe Biden. Surely he is. But he's talking to every American, and he's basically saying, I've called your bluff. You all don't have the spine as a country to challenge me, and you know it. That's what he just said. Completely agree. And uh, the response uh, that we get from our current leadership terrifies me, because I have no faith in, in their ability to do that whatsoever. Dr. Piper, great conversation today. Thank you so much for the reminder and the history of William Wilberforce and the terrific commentary on what's going on today. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Blessings. Take care. Bye-bye. 10.30, time for news. We'll come back and get right back to your phone calls. President Trump being accused of praising and supporting Vladimir Putin. He left that open to interpretation for a lot of people, myself included. But was he just being sarcastic? The more you listen to it, maybe it brings you your answer. We'll listen to it again, and we'll talk about it together next day on 1420 The Answer. Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420 The Answer. I think what he was doing is underscoring you know, the poor decisions from the Biden administration. We saw what happened last summer when when Americans were left behind, when allies were left behind, and when people were brought here who frankly weren't allied, that are that are that, that weren't properly vetted, and maybe just as importantly or, or almost as importantly, eighty five billion dollars of equipment and weapons were left behind. So when Putin sees that coupled with the energy situation, all this contributes to where we are. So I think the president was just showing you how how ridiculous some of the, 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 these policy decisions from the Biden administration were. That was his point. And, uh, man, I, I think the country, I think the vast majority of the country sees that, that, that man, it'd be nice to have President Trump in the White House versus Joe Biden uh, to deal with these kind of situations because we never have to deal with them because they wouldn't happen if he, if, he was, uh, if he was president. That was Congressman Jim Jordan who joined us in hour number one talking about the Russian invasion of Ukraine and President, former President Trump's remarks on uh, Putin's actions, and I think it's very clear. Absolutely, one million percent. 
if Donald Trump were still in office, this wouldn't be happening. There's just, there's no question about it. Putin threatened to invade and annex Crimea literally days after Barack Obama issued the red line saying, do not take that step. If you cross that red line, we are going to be forced to act. And what our response and our retaliation is going to be is something that you do not want to be a part of. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Almost immediately after that, that is exactly what Vladimir Putin did. Kicking sand in the face of the 98-pound weakling that was Barack Obama, Barack Obama did nothing to support and enforce that red line. Then in comes Donald Trump. And for four years, the same stuff that we saw, by the way, from Russia, we were seeing from North Korea. We were seeing from Iran. We were seeing from China. We were seeing from America's most dangerous enemies. We saw all kind, we saw Kim Jong Un launching missiles, testing nuclear tipped missiles or text testing missiles that they would then nuclear tip to reach the United States mainland. We saw those tests going on over and over and over again. We saw China continuing to stick a finger in the eye of Barack Obama taking extraordinary advantage of us while building their, by the way, their military to an extraordinary size. I mean, twice the size of the American military and continuing to take advantage of the United States on the, on the stage of uh, world trade uh, and, and international trade. I mean, just completely dominating us. Iran continuing to take advantage of Obama's weakness with Kerry's uh, agreeing upon the uh, Iran nuclear deal. And they're continuing to enrich uranium and continuing to work on their goal of achieving a nuclear bomb. All of this stuff went on during the Biden administration and or the Obama administration and then stopped cold for four years. Why? Because they were all afraid of what this unpredictable guy would do. Donald Trump kept peace through unpredictable strength. That's what he did for four years. Why do you think Putin stopped? Why do you think China reneged? Or, or excuse me, didn't renege? Why do you think they gave in? Why do you think they gave in? Why do you think they caved on the uh, uh, embargoes and the trade agreements that, that President Trump forced upon them? Why do you think Iran, we got right out of the Iran nuclear deal, and Iran essentially was not heard from in four years? Why do you think that is? Kim Jong un stopped testing missiles. Because Donald Trump projected strength through unpredictability. They didn't know what would happen with this guy, and whatever it was going to be, they were afraid of, so they did nothing. Now let's bring it current. After 13 months of the Biden administration, what are we seeing? More aggressive action by by, uh, China. We're about to re-enter the same ridiculously dangerous nuclear deal with Iran that was in place under Obama, and Vladimir Putin is invading his neighbors again. Why? Because weakness compels strong men to act. And when I say strong men, that's not a compliment. A strong man, meaning a military strong man, a dictator, somebody who's an overlord. Weakness compels those people to act. They see weakness, they take advantage of it. It's what they do. President Trump did not project that weakness. President Trump stayed strong and kept all of those uh, those terribly dangerous international foes in line.
So, yeah, it's if, if President Trump had been allowed to keep his job, if President Trump had not had the election taken from him that he legitimately won, and I will continue to defend that point, Vladimir Putin would not be killing Ukrainians right now. That's the reality. Now, having said all of that, President Trump still has a communication problem here. President Trump um, is, I was just having a discussion on uh, on texting during our commercial break with a friend who's a strong conservative and a strong supporter of this show, who was saying that I jumped the gun and may have been a little bit too harsh with President Trump there uh, because he was being sarcastic and he was talking about strategy and he wasn't praising Putin. And, uh, you know, it's not fair to him uh, to to try to, you know, interpret what he said. And my response was, which it'll be on on, on air as well, President Trump, the one thing that has not been his strongest suit has been communication. He leaves a lot of things open to interpretation the way he says things. It's one of his biggest downfalls. It's one of the biggest problems he had during his presidency. Allowing his enemies to try to interpret or misinterpret or take out of context things that he said because he is not very clear. He's not always very clear on Twitter, and he was not very clear a lot of times in speeches and in press conferences. It's, it's one of his, you know, everybody has some sort of a, a weakness. That's one of President Trump's. Compare it to the man known as the great communicator, Pres- President Ronald Reagan, and you'll see kind of what I mean. President Trump leaves a lot to be interpreted. As such, this comment that he made on a national radio show a couple of days ago, a day before the invasion on Tuesday, the comment that he made about Vladimir Putin's strategy being genius and that he's bringing, uh, you know, uh, declaring Ukraine to be independent or portions of it to be independent to justify his invasion of it and his essential uh, taking over of it, um, he left a lot to open to interpretation, so much so that he's being criticized by both sides of the aisle in Congress. There are Republicans and Democrats criticizing President Trump for his quote-unquote praise of Vladimir Putin. Now, I talked about this at the beginning. I said, has he lost his mind? What is he saying? Why is he saying this? But then I also said, or is he just being sarcastic and isn't very good at it? Because he doesn't use that normal sarcastic voice that one uses when they change their voice inflection to say, this obviously is not what I mean. When somebody comes, you know, somebody uh, comes to, uh, you know, the job uh, dressed a certain way and says, do you like my dress? And you say, oh, yeah, it's beautiful. You, you, you make it very obvious if you want to, to uh, that you're being sarcastic. Was he being sarcastic when he said this? You listen and decide for yourself. I said, this is genius. Putin declares a big portion of the Ukraine, of Ukraine. Putin declares it as independent. Oh, that's wonderful. So Putin is now saying it's independent, a large section of Ukraine. I said, how smart is that? And he's going to go in and be a peacekeeper. That's the strongest peace force. We could use that on our southern border. That's the strongest peace force I've ever seen. There were more army tanks than I've ever seen. They're going to keep peace all right. And there it is. And I will tell you, upon listening to it again and again and again, looking for voice inflections to indicate sarcasm, I think I heard it. I think I found it. That's what I said uh, about, about an hour ago. I think I found it. When you listen to the very end in which he says, oh, yeah, they're going to keep peace all right, that was a sarcastic statement. That was a sarcastic tone. When you hear him say, 
uh, that it's independent. They're going to be independent. He brings that voice up and kind of gives that obviously I'm being sarcastic remark here, a tone to the to the conversation. So to my earlier question, has he lost his mind? I think the answer is no. I think he's being sarcastic, but he leaves enough open to interpretation because that's his style, that he is being criticized by not just his enemies, but by even conservatives who support him. And in my mind, it's President Trump's responsibility here to clarify that. He needs to issue a statement saying no. As war is raging right now between Russia and Ukraine, he needs to issue a statement that says very directly, no, I was not praising President Putin. No, I do not support this invasion. No, I do not think Ukraine is independent. They're a sovereign country. I have a good relationship with President Zelensky, which he does. If he comes out and clarifies that, this all goes to bed. But for me, what I heard here was a man who was being sarcastic but was too deadpan with his voice, and it was very hard to determine unless you're trying to hunt it down, which I did in listening to it, in listening to the inflections that say, obviously he disagrees with what he is saying. He is obviously mocking or being tongue-in-cheek with what he said. All right? I, I feel like all of that is very important to get to. Bob is in Medina. Bob, you're on AM 1420. The answer, your turn. What do you say, Bob? Yeah, just real, real quick here. I like in that, I, I heard that comment, you know, uh, live too, you know, and I kind of like liking that with what he said about, uh, I don't know if it was the beginning of his, you know, when he was running against Hillary and, uh, they were looking for her emails and he said, yeah, check with the Russians. They probably have it. And then boom, left himself open. And then the Russian narrative, you know, uh, was warned. Well, yeah, yeah. No, you know, you're right, because what he said was it was the second part of that, which you didn't mention, is what got him in trouble. He said, maybe the Russians have it, and if you do, I encourage you to go ahead and give it to us. So, in other words, it made it look like he was signaling his yep. Russian cronies to do yep. something to help him beat Hillary Clinton. That, yep. And I know that was sarcastic, but you're right. The left took that and ran with it as, oh, my God, he's literally signaling his his accomplices in the Kremlin to help him hurt Hillary Clinton so he can win. That's exactly correct. That's a great point you're making. And the last thing, real quick here, I watched a, a recent episode of uh, Tucker Fox Nation and where he inter- uh, interviewed Peter Schweitzer. Yeah. And, uh, oh, man, I was just bummed out, Bob, disheartening, and then I'll let you take it from there, uh, when he mentioned about McConnell and his ties with China. I mean, that okay. just, like, really bummed me out. Well, I didn't realize what. it was so deep. I'll tell you what, I appreciate the call. Thanks very much. I did not watch that, I, uh, that Fox Nation uh, 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 Tucker report, so I did not see the interview with Schweitzer. That's something I will definitely look into, so I can't comment on that. But I love the first point that you just made, because that's exactly right. He was being sarcastic when he talked about Russia and Hillary's emails, uh, and they jumped him for it. Uh, it's up to him to clarify when he's being sarcastic and when not, because sometimes it's open to interpretation. David is in LaGrange. Hi, David. You're on the air. Go ahead. And yes, Bob, I think what uh, President Trump was referring to him as being genius, I think he was talking maybe about his deception, Putin's deception. Because if you listen to him, it sounds like, you know, it's just he's just going in there to keep the peace and to keep them from fighting and declaring Ukraine as an independent nation. So I think he's referring to his deception. And then what do we have today? We have war as we speak right now. Yeah, you know, you, you, it's a good point, and somebody else made that point, too, and thanks for the call. Um, look, there are ways to um, 
to frame your tongue-in-cheek comment to make it, again, sound like you are supportive of it when you're really not. And I, and I, and I question the way he used the word genius there. Um, maybe he was saying, look, it's genius if you're going to be a thug and if you're going to try to, try to um, justify your invasion of another country, a sovereign country. It's genius to declare it to not be a sovereign country, to be portion, to, for portions of it to actually be independent. Therefore, we are not actually breaking international law. It's genius in that regard. But then to say he's going to be there to keep the peace, and uh, look at all of those tanks on the border. Uh, yeah, I've never seen such a peacekeeping force. Boy, yeah, he's going to keep the peace all right. That's when it should be uh, pretty clear that he's being sarcastic. And again, I had to listen to it a few times to really kind of, you know, interpret what he's trying to say. But that is a hallmark of President Trump and his public political uh, persona. He has oftentimes left it open to interpretation what he really means. Sometimes he's so good. And remember, he's a performer. He was a TV star for, for what, over a decade before he came into this. He's a performer. He knows how to deliver deadpan lines, and he knows how to, uh, you know, to, to make people question what he's saying or have to think about it. He's a performer, an entertainer. He's good at it. But sometimes you don't want to be performing and entertaining. Sometimes you don't want to be deadpanning. Sometimes you want to make it very obvious so nobody misunderstands or misinterprets your words. And that's something I think he can clarify with one statement. Saying, anybody talking about the interview I did on the radio the other day, uh, you're wrong. Uh, absolutely, I oppose this, and it would not happen if I was still president. Just issue that statement, and all is well. I'll be right back. Giving you today's most important news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. Always right with Bob France. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. On AM 1420, The Answer. So, talking about President Trump speaking with clarity on this issue, that's something he did do last night on Laura Ingram. I played a different clip before where it was kind of bad. Uh, in which he did not know that uh, Laura Ingram was talking about Russian amphibious forces. He thought Americans were going in. But he did say this in that interview. Putin saw the weakness. It really started with the weakness in Afghanistan and the way they pulled out of Afghanistan. I really believe that's where he started thinking that he couldn't do this. Now he sees the weakness and the incompetence and the stupidity of this, this administration. And as an American, I'm angry about it, and I'm saddened by it, and it all happened because of a rigged election. End quote. That was President Trump last night during a conversation with with Laura Ingram, and that is spot on. Spot on. It did happen because of a rigged election, and it would not happen if we had a stronger administration in place, and that would be his. Uh, Joanne in Twinsburg. Hi, Joanne. Go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, Bob. I'm not an expert, not a strategic expert or anything else, but I kind of took it when he said it as like a who-to-thunk-it moment. You know, like, really? You think that he's really going to be peacekeeping? You know, I mean, I like I said, not a military strategist of any sort. <laughs> but even I knew that wasn't what Vladimir Putin's intentions were. I think he was kind of jumping on, you know, the whole Biden philosophy of you people can't see this. To me, this was telegraphed. Yeah, it may be. And again, and thank you for the call. That's that's one of the things that I talked about. You know, President Trump leaves a lot of things that he says the way he says it open to interpretation. And some are going to interpret it in the worst way and some are going to interpret it, uh, you know, differently. 
let's go to um, Sally in Berea. Hi, Sally. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. I really thought when I first heard President Trump that he was talking about um, Putin's genius as far as being a strategist, but not as a moral person. And immediately I also thought, uh uh-oh, this is going to get conflated and, you know, taken out of context, because I agree that while uh, Trump's policies were spot on, sometimes things that he said uh, weren't well thought out. Yeah, yeah, it, or or even if they were well thought out, they just weren't expressed clearly enough to make sure everybody knew the context. Um, and and you know what would have solved this? I think you're right. By the way, when he talked about the genius, if he'd inserted one word before genius, if he'd have called Putin an evil genius, everything is clear now. He's saying it's he's an yeah. evil genius for what he's doing here. It is a genius right. move, and it's wrong, and it's bad, and it's evil. And now there's no ambiguity. But um, he left the ambiguity there, which is why we're we're talking about it right now. Uh, good points. Thank you so much for the call, Sally. TJ in Cleveland. Go ahead, TJ. Yeah, you know, Bob. The only thing I disagree with Trump, uh, excuse me, Trump is calling uh, Putin a genius. You don't have to be a genius to outsmart Joe Biden. <laughs> okay, let's face it. Now, you know, Bob, we've well been done. fighting for a half century. We've been fighting wars over oil, and Trump finally ended that when we became energy independent. Yeah. And what did this potato head do on the first day in office? He handed all that wealth over to Russia. Right now, they forty percent of the world oil comes from Russia. War is expensive, and now Putin has the wealth to wage war. Yeah. And the only thing left to us, I'm afraid, the libtards in Europe and America, is to look at Putin and go, you know, you can take your oil and go to hell. We don't need it. We're going to build more windmills. We're going to buy more solar panels from China and put everybody in an electric car. Uh, we're in trouble. We are. Thank you, TJ. I appreciate the phone call. Great comments from everybody today. Thanks so much for being a part of it. Uh, let's talk tomorrow on Always Right. Enjoy let's go, Brandon. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.